What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Football. I've been watching it for 40 years. Are you kidding me? You're listening to Winning Cures Everything. Game day, baby. Wake up or get out. Here's your host. A confident young man. A superb athlete. Gary Seegers. Welcome in. Winning Cures Everything. It is the Sunday, October 2nd edition of the show. I am, of course, your host, Gary Seegers. You can follow me on Twitter, at GaryWCE. Hopefully everybody is having a wonderful college football weekend. We do get football here in about an hour. Eastern Washington playing at Florida. Of course, that game was displaced because of the hurricane. I say displaced. It's still happening in Gainesville. They just had to push it back a day. Uh, Of course, we still have SMU and UCF to go on Wednesday. Uh, Both teams had a bye next week, so they're just tossing it in the middle of the week. They're going to make it happen in Orlando. It's going to be a good time. Going to be a good time. We had a lot to discuss, but before we get into any of that, let me go ahead and tell you that this show is powered each and every time out by BetUS. It is America's premier online sports book. You can find more over at BetUS.com. Also, make sure and check out the BetUS College Football Show. I host it every Tuesday and Wednesday, 1 p.m. Eastern Time. There's a link in the description. Go ahead and make sure that you are subscribed to that channel. Had another good day yesterday. Started out slow, but went 4-2 and two overall myself. Uh, the show had another winning week, so not too shabby. Uh, on the season, I mean, I, we're over 65%. I mean, it is really, really incredible what we're doing over there. Having a good time breaking down games. So check it out. You can do so also over at BetUSTV.com. Easy to do. But yes, BetUS where the game begins. Everybody, what a fantastic, fantastic weekend. Uh, Good gracious. Uh, As a matter of fact, you know what? I am recording, and it doesn't even look like we're streaming. (laughs) Either way, we will put this thing back up there. But man, uh, you want to talk about a fun weekend. Just an awesome, awesome weekend. Uh, Good times. Good times. Bet US, of course. Uh, where you can gamble on everything. It was magnificent, magnificent. Let's go on and dive into it. We got a bunch of games to discuss, so let's go ahead and talk about it. Let's talk about what's happening. For those that are joining now, obviously I don't think it was going out to YouTube early. I'll repost the intro. It is what it is. You hadn't missed anything just yet. But here we go. Kansas, 14, Iowa State, 11. We're going to start off with that because College Game Day is going to Lawrence, Kansas next week, and it's going to be a fantastic time. Absolutely fantastic time. They have been waiting for something like this for a long, long time. And I 
I'm incredibly excited about it. I like when they go to new locations. They have never been to Kansas before. Kansas now 5-0 and on the season. Uh, let's go ahead and pull up some of the stats here. And the win probability, of course, shifted towards Kansas in this game. But, man, there was nothing about these stats that would tell you that Kansas should have won this ballgame. Now, I understand if you look at postgame win expectancy, et cetera, Kansas, uh, I believe, was like a 90% postgame win expectancy, but it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Uh, they lost the yardage battle 303 to 213. Jalen Daniels was 7 to 14 passing for only 93 yards. He did run it eight times for nine yards, which is a drastic drop off from what he's been doing this season. He did have one touchdown rushing, though. Uh, they did lose their running back, uh, and I forget. His name, I want to say Highshaw. Da, 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 da. Let's see. Yeah, Daniel Highshaw Jr. He had eight carries, 46 yards, one touchdown. He did have a fumble. That play that he fumbled on is the play that he got injured on. He had to be carted off the field. So we'll see what that means going forward for them. But uh, but overall, I mean, just incredible day for Kansas. Uh, they held Iowa State to only 31 yards rushing on 16 attempts. Iowa State, however, 30 out of 48 passing for 287 yards, Iowa State ran 64 plays to 46. I mean, that's that's nuts. If you look on here, uh, it talks about the the total number of plays, um, and we'll we'll go ahead and highlight that here. Uh, it says total plays in the game, Iowa State 89 to 55. Uh, just just crazy, and I don't know why this thing keeps hopping over, but we'll uh, we'll switch it as we need to. Good gracious. Um, by the way, we've got some some OBS issues, some broadcasting issues that I'm sorting through, and it keeps going back to other spots for whatever reason. So if there are issues, my apologies. Regardless, um, Iowa State went four out of five on fourth down. They were five of 18 on third down. I mean, they they did a good job of continuing drives. They held the ball for an incredibly long time. The issue in this game Iowa State missed three field goals and then dropped a punt that gave Kansas a short field. And that's how Kansas ended up winning the ballgame. It, it's mind-blowing to me how they lost this football game, and yet it makes all the sense in the world because Kansas feels like they have it. Now, we'll see what it looks like when TCU comes to town this week because they have not faced an offense yet that looks anything close to what TCU is doing. Uh, and we'll get to them in just a little bit, but Kansas... Overall, I mean, just absolutely magnificent uh, yesterday. Just absolutely magnificent. They looked fantastic. They looked awesome. I was I was very pleased with the performance. Uh, Jalen Daniels wasn't great, but mm. uh, 82 Atlantic jumps in. Is Georgia struggling against Missouri a nothing burger, or is there cause for concern? Well, you know what? That's a good transition here. Why don't we go ahead and talk about it? Um Right down by time here. Georgia 26 and Missouri 22. Now, Georgia could not score in this game for whatever reason. Uh, they didn't even score the same number of points that they were favored by. Uh, at the at close, they were favored by 31. I swear to you, uh, <laughs> this thing is just shifting on its own. It's just nuts. Uh, yes, they are... I don't think it's anything to worry about at this point. Uh, remember, they were without Jalen Carter. Uh, they were without uh, Adnan Mitchell. They, it's, they're not invincible. 
but they're missing dudes. They'll have everybody healthy eventually, at least you would assume. Uh, but that offense with Stetson Bennett was never going to be flawless. I mean, it obviously, we know what Stetson Bennett is. And yes, while he did look great against Oregon, and he's looked pretty good in some spots, there are some deficiencies in his game that you can take advantage of. And it's not that Missouri is a great football team or anything like that. They're they're just a pretty well-coached team. I, I don't think it's anything to worry about as far as long-term propositions, right? I don't think that they are, uh, I don't think they're an issue at all. Uh, if you look at this, uh, Georgia won yardage 481 to 294. They just couldn't get the ball in the end zone. Yards per play, 6.1 to 5.5. Uh, they ran 79 plays to only 53 for Missouri. Third downs, they won 31 to 23%, so neither team did a pretty decent job there at all. They they ran the ball for 169 yards to only 102 for Missouri. They had drive points, 20 to 10. Uh, that's drives of 60-plus yards. Missouri won the turnovers, 2 to nothing, so that certainly played in their favor. Uh, I mean, they made field goals. They made a lot of field goals. It, it was five field goals to four field goals. And this was completely unexpected. The fact that Georgia was favored by 31 at close, it was sitting at about 29 for most of the week. I don't think it's anything to worry about, really. Uh, Double O'Neal jumped in, always calls for some concern. It just shows they're not invincible. I don't think it's that big of a deal. This is a sleep part of the schedule, right? Do you? As long as you get the win, then you're fine. Uh, they play Auburn this week. I would be surprised if they don't show up for that game. They're going to be back home. They, I think they should be getting some guys back. We'll see. We'll see. I don't think it's a cause for concern, but I have been wrong before, and I may be wrong again. Uh, but this does show that there are, uh, there are some flaws with this team. They are not the team that just destroyed Oregon. I think that that game was just as much Oregon not being ready for their first game as it was Georgia wanting to come out and prove a point, especially non-conference game in uh, in Atlanta. So that that's the way that I view it. I, I could be wrong here. Could be wrong. Uh, let's actually let's toss the uh, the stats up on the screen here so you can see it. Uh, the expected points, I mean, just went Georgia's way by the end of it. Uh, they were plus eleven point eight one total EPA in this game. Uh, Missouri just started to drop off significantly. Just you know, about eighty plays into it. Just just what you would expect. Right, Georgia ran a lot more plays. They eventually got what they needed out of it. And if you look, the purple on the screen is bad, and the green is good. Georgia's success rate was good. They just couldn't get the ball in the end zone. That, that's basically it. So I would not worry too much about this. They'll be able to score in other games. But, uh, but yeah, it, 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 was, it was definitely a little more drama than I think anybody anticipated, and that includes uh, <laughs> Double O'Neill said no major panic attack. Yeah, no major panic attack there. Uh, just bananas. Just bananas. I don't think anybody expected that. Don't think anybody expected that one in that game. Clemson 30, NC State 20. This one was interesting. Uh, if for no other reason than the fact that... Uh, <laughs> if for no other reason than the fact that DJ played really well, Clemson took control of this game early and never really gave up a lead. Uh, they won yardage 358 to 279. They won yards per play 5.4 to 4.0. They won third downs 43% to 36%. Rushing, I mean, they ran for 149 yards and held NC State to 34, which we knew NC State's not great at running the ball, but, I mean, you got to have something better than that. 
I mean, it was just a, a little bit of a disaster. They won turnovers two to nothing. Clemson did miss a 46-yard field goal try, but there wasn't a whole lot of craziness to this game, really. Uh, if you if you look at you know the stats here, we'll go and pull it up on the screen. These are, by the way, you can find these over at GameOnPaper.com. Uh, I've got links in the description, I believe, but if not, GameOnPaper.com is where you find it. Uh, I mean, Clemson won average starting field position. Uh, they had uh, similar plays per drive. They had similar yards per drive, but Clemson was able to get the ball in the end zone more. Like DJ Uyunglele looked good. This is two straight weeks. Um, Double O'Neal jumped in and said, uh, I found myself pulling for both teams in all honesty. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I can understand that. Stone Thomas Takes said that Clemson defense was awesome and they're not even fully healthy. They were awesome, but I wonder if some of that is not NC State, right? Because they've had problems. This Tim Beck offense shows so much promise and then doesn't deliver. And that's what's so irritating, I think, for a lot of people because they're not... They're not awful and you know that Devin Leary's got talent and you know that there are things that they can do that they could be really successful at and they just find ways to shoot themselves in the foot over and over and over again they lost a fumble they threw an interception um there were just so many things about this that I just I I wonder how much of this was NC State stopping themselves because you saw I mean once it got later in the game they were able to go down and score but I I was not impressed. I was just not impressed. Uh, Devin Leary, by the way, looking at the da, 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 uh, 28 out of 47. These are the advanced stats, by the way. Uh, threw one interception, took three sacks, uh, 4.9 yards per play. He was negative .08 EPA per play. I mean, it's it's not good. Uh, I just, I don't know. He, he did have one rushing touchdown. He had four carries for 19 yards, but... There's there's things that need to be fixed with this offense. That's the biggest issue. And it's not all Clemson like we were just talking about. It, it's not that Clemson defense. It is, we saw this offense have trouble with East Carolina, right? It, we saw this offense not be great against Texas Tech. So, Stone Thomas, good point. It uh, it just felt in big moments Clemson's defense flexed it. Yeah, no, they certainly did. I mean, they definitely rose to the challenge. I... I just wonder exactly how good the Clemson defense is. I mean, we saw them get shredded by a good passing game in Wake Forest. Now, I don't know how many teams are going to be left on the schedule that actually have a passing game comparable uh, to Wake Forest because they've got NFL receivers there. Um, Florida State, maybe? I guess. I mean, that's a possibility. Uh, let me pull up exactly what Clemson's schedule looks like. That's uh, that's an interesting question now that I'm thinking about it. Da, da, da. And, of course, we swapped it back over. Uh, Clemson's schedule looks like... Da, da, da. Uh, they've got Boston College this week. They've got Florida State right after that. they got Syracuse. they got Notre Dame. they got Louisville. they got Miami. And then, of course, uh, South Carolina. I mean, maybe if... Maybe if we get... Uh, <laughs> Double O'Neal. I think Clemson survived against NC State. I, I wouldn't say survived. Uh, I think Clemson had control of that ballgame. Uh, I don't know that there's anybody left on the schedule other than maybe Florida State. Uh, and, if, and Miami, if you get Tyler Van Dyke playing well, that is going to be able to do some of the things that Wake Forest did against them. Uh, this team looks like they are set. Uh, they, they are going back to the ACC championship game. I don't think they got anything to worry about. 
Nothing to worry about with that one. Moving right along, TCU 55. Uh, good gracious. I don't know what is happening to make this thing swap so many times. Uh, TCU 55, Oklahoma 24. What a ball game. Sonny Dykes called the game of his life. Just absolutely lit Brent Venables and that defense on fire. Absolutely on fire. Uh, Holy Sal jumped in. Clemson should be in the playoffs, to be honest, instead of with that schedule. Yes, you're right. You're absolutely right. Uh, there's, there's no reason why they should not be in the playoffs. I mean, bottom line. Bottom line. Uh, looking at the overall stuff, uh, Cle- uh, TCU was plus five on this. Uh, they demolished Oklahoma uh, 55 to 24. They won yardage 668 to 355. They won yards per play uh, 8.9 to 4.4. They won third downs 50% to 33%. They ran the ball for 361 yards to only 179 for Oklahoma. Had one turnover, drive points, which are drives of 60-plus yards, 48 to 21. They had 48 points of drive yards, uh, or excuse me, they had 48 drive points in the first three quarters. They didn't even do anything in the fourth quarter, and they demolished Oklahoma. That is an Oklahoma team that is coached by a defensive guru, Right, And I understand that it's going to take him a little bit of time to get his kind of a roster in there. But we have seen Sonny Dykes' offenses go up against good defensive teams and struggle. Coaches find a way to... uh, Yeah, Holy Sal jumped in and said, Garrett Riley, the offense coordinator for TCU too. Yes, agreed. Uh, I'm just saying Sonny Dykes, uh, his offenses, and... They over the years they have been able to be schemed against, and there was no scheme in this situation. Uh, it was just overall brutal. Overall brutal. Uh, Dylan Gabriel did go out in this game uh, relatively early on a pretty vicious hit uh, that, I mean, maybe was completely unnecessary. But at this point, the game was completely, completely out of hand. It that had nothing to do with this final score. Because TCU had 41 points in the first half. I mean, they demolished this team. It was it was never a game. It, I think it was 41 to 17 when that happened, or 34 to 17, whatever. It, it TCU showed no signs of slowing down whatsoever. Uh, I don't think Oklahoma was going to keep up with Dylan Gabriel. Without, uh, we'll see whether or not Dylan Gabriel gets to play next week against Oklahoma, excuse, uh, against uh, Texas. Uh, Davis Bevel came in and looked. Eh, about the same, I guess. Seven out of 16, 50 yards, three sacks. Um, he was not great. Uh, the yards per play, definitely less. Uh, I think at that point in the game, once it was 41 to 17, it was just, let's try not to get anybody else hurt. Kind of what it felt like. This is a weird Red River that we're going into. And now TCU is undefeated and going to undefeated Kansas. I mean, the Big 12 is all over the place. I mean, just completely all over the place. Uh, again, you look at the win probability. I mean, it favored Oklahoma early, and then it went, I mean, it jumped to TCU quick. I mean, just very, very quick. You look at the expected points that's over on the right side of your screen, and man, I mean, how crazy? How absolutely crazy is that? Uh, I don't, I mean, I don't even know what to say about it. I really don't. It is mind-blowing 
to see this because uh, you don't expect it from Oklahoma, especially against TCU. I mean, they have just and, – and I'll tell you what this tells me is that Gary Patterson was asleep at the wheel for a long time. I mean, a very, very long time because this TCU roster did not exactly change a ton other than they lost some of their best players, and here we are. And, and for whatever reason, they are playing insanely well. So, yeah, a little, uh, little shocked at what ended up happening in this one. Um, it's not like Oklahoma didn't have enough time or enough plays. I mean, they, they ran plenty of plays. I think they had 81 scrimmage plays to TCU 75. It's just TCU was mind-blowing. Uh, 82 Atlantic said, I'm surprised that TCU was a six-and-a-half-point dog. Yeah, but when you look historically, when you look at what Oklahoma had done thus far this season, other than against Kansas State last week, um, you know, Double O'Neill said TCU for the playoffs. Hey, you keep winning ball games like that. I, I, there's nobody else on the schedule that I would be afraid of if I'm TCU. So anything's possible. I mean, Max Duggan is playing out of his mind right now. Out of his mind. All right, let's hit this. On the other side, we're going to hit Alabama and Arkansas. Let's check out some things you should know about. College football is back, and BetUS TV has you covered. Every Tuesday and Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern, we've got expert game analysis to help you make informed decisions before kickoff, only on the BetUS TV College Football Channel. Visit winningcureseverything.com to find everything you need to know about us, including full shows in video or podcast form, gambling picks, merch, the gear we use, and more. If you want more content from me, Gary, visit betustv.com. I host the How to Gamble on Sports Show and, from August through January, the BetUS College Football Show. You can subscribe to both on YouTube. If you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or whatever's your favorite. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly. An AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. 
Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Well, more problems with the feed, of course. (laughs) I'll tell you all about it uh, later on. Uh, Yes, I'm having OBS problems. Uh, WSO32 jumps in. We'll go on and hit this. Uh, he said, winner, if they would have let Dan Shiano throw down, I would bet on Shiano. Absolutely would bet on Shiano. Uh, for those that missed it, uh, Ohio State, we're not, and that's not one of the games that we're going to talk about today, but Ohio State ran a fake punt when they were up like 49 to 10 late in the fourth quarter. Uh, the Ohio State punter got hit out of bounds. It was... Just a, a cheap shot from uh, Ryan Day in that bunch, really. There was no reason to run it, and I don't care if you're trying to... One, why would you put a fake punt like that on film? Like, I, I, that makes no sense, right? So there's no reason to, like, practice the play in an actual competition. You're really just trying to rub it in the face of whoever it is that you're playing at that point. And, and yes, there is something to be said for... uh well, this is a game, and you should stop us. You know, like, it, <laughs> we're, we're still playing. Doesn't matter what the scoreboard says. We're trying to win every play. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, it's kind of, it's, it's real cheap. It's real cheap. I mean, it's just awful. It's just awful. Um, Holy Sal jumped in and said Chiano for sure. Uh, let's see. Holy Sal said, uh, I still like Oklahoma State in the Big 12. Yep. Uh, and then double O'Neill, yo, let's not forget about Friday night's game. Boise State is back. I, I wouldn't go that far. I would say that San Diego State is really, really bad. Remember, they fired their offensive coordinator uh, yesterday after that Boise State game. Uh, uh, oh, post game, the punter uh, did it himself, he said, uh, according to Holy South. That's uh, the Ohio State punter. Uh, regardless, you have got to figure out, like that whole team has got to figure out what they're wanting to accomplish, right? That's that's the that's the biggest issue. You can't do that to those teams. And I'm sure that he was taught, if they show this, then uh, we're going to run such and such, right? That's probably what we're looking at. But man, I mean, what are what are we doing? Just just absolutely absurd, absolutely absurd. Uh, it was it was ridiculous by the punter, by Ryan Day, by whoever. So. You get hit late on a plate like that. If you do it yourself, you should probably expect it. Just saying. All right. Uh, weren't Shiano and Dave both in the Ohio State coaching staff at the same time? Yes, they were. Absolutely they were, uh, which is why I think they got even more heated. And it's not that Shiano expected Ryan Day to take it easy on him, but, man, just just weird. Uh, Stone Thomas takes uh, said, uh, Taylor Green might be legit in a few years. Double O'Neill, crazy athlete. Uh, he, I, I said this on the show, I think, last week, or one, one, of, the, one of the weeks when somebody was asking about this. Um, Taylor Green, I think, was a better quarterback than Bachmeyer. I think we talked about this after week one. Like, it, it made no sense for Bachmeyer to be playing when you had Green on the side. Uh, Bachmeyer had no protection. The offensive line was awful for Boise State. So, all right. Let's uh let's continue on. Let's talk Alabama 49, Arkansas 26. Yikes. Uh this one was the tale of of three different scenes basically. It was 
it was a train wreck, and yet at the same time, it was. Uh, look, Alabama jumps out to a twenty-eight nothing lead, and then it's twenty-eight to twenty-three going into the fourth quarter, and then Alabama wins the fourth quarter twenty-one to three. Hits your forty-nine to twenty-six score. If you were to bet that game to start and take Alabama minus seventeen, which is what it closed uh, right before kickoff, then you come back and you bet Arkansas. Uh, plus 24 and a half, right when Bryce Young went out of the game. You got a nice middle here. It worked out well. So I might be saying that from experience, just saying. Um, this, let's look at the stats on this one. At Alabama won yardage 555 to 377. They won yards per play 8.7 to 40, uh, to, excuse me, to 4.4. Uh, they won third downs 64 to 29%. They won rushing 317 to 187. And drive points, 35-14. to 14. Uh, The quarterback, of course, Bryce Young, left in the second quarter with a shoulder injury. They're saying that it's a sprain. It might be like an MCL sprain. Uh, we don't know what's going on. Uh, I would be surprised if he plays this weekend. If they think that they can get by Texas A&M without him, then absolutely. Like, they will do their best to just put Jalen Milrow out there and not have to worry with it until they have to go to Tennessee because that's when they're really going to need the offense to roll. Uh, Holy Sal jumped in and said Bama's rushing game is the best in the country right now. Uh, that would be incorrect. In the fourth quarter of this game, Alabama at one point had six rushes for 225 yards. They were ridiculous because they had three 70-plus yarders in a row. Uh, Jameer Gibbs was out of his mind just running the football in that fourth quarter. They finally got some holes open. And I think a part of it, if I'm not mistaken, I think Alabama changed centers in the game. And once they went over to uh, uh, Dallincourt, I think is the guy's name, um, once he came in in the fourth quarter, or close to the fourth quarter, they completely opened up the holes that allowed Jameer Gibbs to get out into space. And Arkansas, I, I really couldn't understand exactly what it was that they were doing. Like, it made no sense when you looked at it. But, uh, but yeah, Alabama found a way to get through this one. I mean, they looked absolutely shell-shocked in that third quarter. Uh, they were up 28 to nothing. They gave up a touchdown before the end of the half. Arkansas came out, didn't do anything on their first drive, but then held Alabama to nothing on that second drive, or on, that, uh, on their first drive. And then Arkansas scored a touchdown, kicked an onside kick, and got it. Scored again. I mean, just continued on and on until it was 28 to 23. They missed a two-point conversion. K.J. Jefferson is an exciting player, but... There are there are issues in his game, right? Uh, this game was super exciting at one point, but Alabama found ways to basically, and I think Gary Danielson talked about this on the game. When you rush him on the inside, you make sure that he does like don't run past him. You can't run around him, otherwise he's going to take advantage of that. And basically, if you just close in on those tackles, when he tries to run he's going to run directly to one of those edge rushers or to a linebacker. They did it all day. And so it was it was impressive on Alabama's part, especially on defense. Uh, looking at K.J. Jefferson's numbers, uh, 14 carries, 62 yards. He did have some good scrambles in there. Uh, and some of the passes by Arkansas, where K.J. Jefferson was able to just keep the play alive and get the ball out, and the catches that were made by some of his uh, his receivers, Keetron Jackson, um, uh, Rocket Sanders, of course, the running back. Trey Knox, uh, he had that one catch for like 36 yards. 
uh, Rashad Dubinin, uh, Nathan Bax. I mean, just uh, Matt Landers and, and Jaden Hazelwood had uh, had six catches, but only 37 yards. It, they they made it a really fun game for a little while, and then that defense just bleh, just bleh. So uh, so yeah, Alabama. I mean, expected points here. Um, yeah, they did they did pretty well. Uh, by the way, if you're looking again, if you didn't notice earlier, green is good, purple is bad over at Game on Paper. So that is what you're looking at for that one. Uh, Trey the Wave jumped in. James Madison is going to be ranked. Uh, I wouldn't bet on that. I would not bet on that at all. Uh, we'll we'll see. We'll see. Moving right along, Oklahoma State thirty six, Baylor twenty five, and I I don't know what to make of this. Um, they won third downs forty to twenty seven percent. They won rushing one sixty six to one twelve. They won turnovers two to one. Baylor had two fourth down failures that turned the ball over on downs a couple of times. Baylor won the yardage, 457 to 379. They won yards per play, 6.5 to 5.0. And they won drive points, 15 to 7. Oklahoma State had a safety and a kick return touchdown. This this looked like a poised Oklahoma State team that took control of this game early, gave it up a little bit, and then took over again late. Oklahoma State might be the best team in... Uh, they might be the best team in the Big 12. But I still don't know because I know that there are flaws in Baylor's game, right? I'd still wonder about this defense. I don't think they're great. I do think that Oklahoma State has some explosive athletes. They have got some dudes that can turn it on on any single play and and find a way to score from anywhere. But I'm still a little concerned. Mike Gundy is, I mean, he has proven time and time again that he is one of the most successful coaches out there. He is one of the best coaches out there. He finds ways to get it done regardless of what the roster looks like, etc., and now Spencer Sanders is playing well. Um, you know, Oklahoma State, they did have the the one interception. Uh, but I, I mean, Sanders was good. He was he was good. Let's uh, let's pull up the stats here. I, I completely forget to do that sometimes. But yeah, this win probability looked good for Baylor early. And then it just swung Oklahoma State's way big time. Big time. Uh, you look down here at uh, Spencer Sanders' numbers. Uh, one touchdown, 181 yards. 14 carries for 75 yards and a TD. Like, pretty good. Pretty good. Not too shabby, if I do say so myself. Uh, Oklahoma State looks good. And and they, they might be the best team in the Big 12. Now, obviously, I think that uh, that Kansas and TCU are going to have something to say about that. But we'll see. We'll see. Moving on. Ole Miss got a big win over Kentucky. 22-19. to and by big win, I mean just like ramifications, right? Um, looking at the stats, uh, they won by three. They were favored by like six and a half or seven, depending on the book, uh, which the only book should be bet U.S. Just tossing it out there. Regardless, they power the show. So uh, they won yardage 399 to 328. They ran for 186 yards to only 108 for Kentucky. Uh, they won turnovers two to one. Um at drive points, 14 to 6. Kentucky won yards per play, 5.9 to 5.4. Uh, they, you know, they were both 7 out of 14 on third downs. Kentucky had a PAT blocked. They missed a 39-yard field goal try. And when you look at what happened, I mean, the last three drives of this game were just ridiculous. 
I, I just I can't even begin to explain it. Uh, once you here, let's pop up on the screen here. Uh, you go down to the end of this. It, Kentucky had let's see. All right, so they turned it over from the Ole Miss uh, twelve, where they had first and goal. Um, they had they had first and goal at the seven and had an illegal motion penalty. So that's that was the end of the game basically when they turned it over there. Um, with three minutes left, they ran uh, Will Levis, and he fumbled on third and two at the Ole Miss nineteen. So Ole Miss recovered that one. Drive before that, uh, went forward on fourth and three at the Ole Miss thirty two. Pass incomplete. Like, fourth down, threw an incomplete pass. Those are their three drives that ended in the fourth quarter. Uh, <laughs> 82 Atlantic. Do you think Will Levis has the chance to be a Heisman finalist? Uh, no. Because when you... His numbers are not going to be good enough. Like, this is not me bashing Will Levis. Like, he's his numbers are just not going to be good enough. The only the only real weapon that he's got is Tavion Robinson, and while that's a good weapon, um, it's also not like the style that Mark Stoops really wants to play with. You know they they want to be able to run the ball, they want to be able to control the line of scrimmage, they don't want to run fast. They he's not going to have the stats. Like, he still might be a, a really highly rated NFL draft pick because he's got all the tools, but no, he is not going to make it to New York. That ain't going to happen. Especially if you're losing to Ole Miss, you're probably going to lose a couple more games. Is what it is. Uh, Wet Blanket jumps in and says, good morning. Good morning. Good morning indeed. Uh, let's uh, let's dive over to a Friday night game right quick. Uh, which, uh, by the way, props to, to Lane Kiffin and that bunch for getting a big, big, big win. Uh, they've got a gauntlet of a schedule coming up. So we will see what they end up doing with it. UCLA 40, Washington uh, 32 on Friday night. And this one went south on me so fast. I bet Washington on the BetUS show, I thought that I was, uh, I thought I could see the board clearly. And I was so incorrect on this. I, I don't, I can't even explain how incorrect I was on this. Um, UCLA came out and, and Dorian Thompson Robinson was dealing. He was throwing dimes everywhere on the field. They were able to run the ball. Zach Charbonnet had like 125 yards. Uh, it was it was nuts. Uh, looking at the overall stats, uh, they won yardage, uh, four ninety nine to four ten. They won here. Let me go in and pull it up on the screen while I'm talking about it. Um, they won yardage, uh, four ninety nine to four ten. They won yards per play, six point nine to five point seven. Third downs, seventy one to fifty three percent. They won turnovers, two to nothing. Uh, they ran the ball, one eighty four to sixty five. They UCLA won, led this game forty to sixteen early in the fourth quarter before Washington rallied in this game. I mean, it, it, it was massive stats for UCLA in this game. Uh, if you look on your screen, uh, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, all of the green for UCLA is good. The purple is bad. So Washington, their EPA per rush was pretty bad. Um, it, both of them's defensive run stuff rate, really bad. Not good. So uh, while Washington was able to put up some stats late, they couldn't do it for most of the game. Washington jumped out to a 7 to nothing lead, and then UCLA uh, turned it over on downs at the 1, and then forced a safety, so it was 7-2. to two. They kicked the ball back to UCLA. UCLA comes down the field and scores, and then it's just UCLA touchdown, UCLA touchdown, UCLA. It, Michael Penix throwing those interceptions, especially early, was 
uh, just mind-blowing because he hasn't looked like that all season long. Friday nights, on the road, Pac-12 after dark, weird stuff happens. So this was Washington's first real bit of adversity, and uh, and they, they showed up late in this game to make it at least interesting. But, man, uh, when I went back, because I went to bed before this thing was over. <laughs> I mean, at halftime, I was like, nope, I'm not setting up for this. I can't deal with it. I, I've got a lot to do on Saturday. Um, but this was, I mean, Washington did not look good. They did not look good. And now this sets up a really, really big game in the Rose Bowl for UCLA this coming weekend because Utah is coming to town. If they get a win over Utah, I mean, this schedule opens up for them. Uh, let me look at UCLA's remaining schedule uh, because they are, I mean, it, it's it's really interesting to see. They have got Utah and then they've got Oregon. All right, so the two straight pretty difficult games, but they've got a bye week before Oregon. And I swear if that thing keeps swapping over, I'm going to get it fixed by Tuesday. I'll let you know. Uh, but regardless, they have got they host Utah this weekend. They've got a bye week. Then they go to Oregon. Then Stanford, Arizona State, Arizona, and then they've got USC. All right. Let's see what you got. Let's see what you got, Chip Kelly. Uh, after the uh, after the USC game, of course, they got Cal. But I, I think this team is good enough to win the rest of them. I think UCLA is good enough to win the Pac-12. It, it's it's mind-blowing. Now, obviously, all that is said if DTR plays well, which he doesn't always do, So, <laughs> which is the reason why I bet on Washington because you never know what version you're going to get at this team. Uh, but if he plays like he did on Friday night, yeah, this team could win the Pac-12 title. I mean, it, how, how mind-blowing would that be? With all this hype around USC, everybody was talking about Utah in the offseason, and now a DTR last year, and everybody was... You know, does Chip Kelly still have it? Blah, 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 blah. Uh, looks good to me. I mean, dude looks perfectly fine. I ain't got nothing to worry about. All right. Illinois 34 and Wisconsin 10. We're not going to spend a long time on this, but we're going to pull up the uh, the screen here, and the win probability shifted uh, around play number 70, uh, somewhere around there. And, man, eh, not really 63. All right, so Wisconsin was putrid. Uh, let's let's pull up the actual stats on this. Um, this I don't know that this was an upset. This was ridiculous, is what it was. Brett Bielema, of course, returning to Madison for the first time since being the head coach at Wisconsin, and then he left for Arkansas, uh, bounced around the NFL for just a little bit, and now, um, I mean, they they won yardage three hundred four to two hundred eight. Which, by the way, Jim Leonard's defense only gave up 300 yards of total offense and gave up 34 points. <laughs> Just insane. They won yardage 304 to 208. They won yards per play 4.6 to 3.6. They won rushing yards 137 to 2. <laughs> it's just unreal. Turnovers 3 to nothing. Wisconsin also had three fourth down failures uh, to only one for Illinois. Um, they won drive points 14 to nothing. I mean, the Badgers did win. Third downs, 29 to 23%. This was smash-mouth football at its finest. I, I want to say this game got done within about two hours and 45 minutes of real time. Uh, it was ugly. Uh, again, I will stress, green is good and purple is bad. And when you look on this screen, uh, the EPA per play was not good for either team, but it was way worse for, for Wisconsin. Uh, the EPA per rush 
was putrid for if, if you're Wisconsin and you cannot run the ball on Illinois, you are going to have problems for the rest of the season. Uh, this is one that really makes you question whether or not Paul Christ may, may be let go from the job, right? Because I don't know that Barry Alvarez will allow this to continue on. And it, it, regardless of whether he's even at the school or not, right? It That school will not stand for being awful running the football and not being able to stop another team, right? You don't lose to Illinois if you're Wisconsin. If you get beat on like a fluke play when it's Lovey Smith in there or something like that, okay, maybe we could see it, right? That was a few years ago um, when Illinois won in Champaign, like 24 to 23. You're going to have those from time to time. What you don't have is getting beat 34 to 10 in Madison by Illinois. That ain't supposed to happen. So, whew, that's uh, that's a rough one. That is definitely a rough one. Um, we got a few more games to hit on. Uh, let's go and hit this. We're going to hit Purdue, Minnesota on the backside. Let's check out some things you should know about. Follow the show on Twitter at Winning Cures, and you can follow Gary at Gary WCE. You can also follow on Facebook. Got your own podcast or web show? Looking to start one? Or you're just curious how we look and sound so good? Well, we've got all the gear that we use listed on our gear page on the website. If you order using our links, you'll be supporting the show too. Subscribe on YouTube to get not only full Winning Cures Everything shows, but individual segments and other goodies as well. We're over 6,000 subscribers, and our goal by the end of the year is 7,500. If you're interested in advertising on a show that reaches over 80,000 unique football fans per month during the season, send an email to Gary at winningcureseverything.com and we'll put together a plan that best fits you or your business. And now, back to the show. All right, Purdue 20, Minnesota 10, and this was another one that I just completely whiffed on. Uh, Brutal. Brutal for Minnesota, who had just been... They looked like the Death Star, uh, honestly, to start off this season. They were smoking everybody. They looked fantastic. We'll go on and pull up the stats here. And in this game, uh, they went down 10 to nothing fairly quickly, uh, fought their way back to 10-10, and then Purdue wrapped it up late. Just unbelievable that Minnesota looked as bad as they did in this game. Uh, the average starting field position was the same. Minnesota only averaged five plays per drive to seven for Purdue. Um, they only averaged 28 yards per drive, and Purdue averaged 35. Like, what Purdue was able to do to Minnesota's running game, uh, we'll go on and, and move down here. Uh, yeah, 24 rushes for 54 yards for Minnesota. That is brutal. Now, Mo Ibrahim did not play in this game, uh, so that may have had a lot to do with it. Uh, but Tanner Morgan looked awful. I mean, just awful. He, uh, it's not like Aiden O'Connell was great. He had two interceptions. He was 26 out of 39, less than 200 yards passing. Uh, he had no touchdowns. Like, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't like Aiden O'Connell just had some fantastic game. This was the Purdue defense. Uh, Tanner Morgan had three interceptions and was sacked twice in this game. He was 18 out of 33, 257 yards, no touchdowns. Um, they could not get this thing going at all. Bryce Williams carried the ball uh, 11 times for 35 yards and a TD. Uh, Trey Potts, who has been great thus far this season, nine carries for 10 yards. Uh, they just they could not figure it out. And, of course, once they were behind, they had to throw the ball a little more than usual. So they made mistakes. I mean, it was just a, a brutal game for Minnesota. And I swear to you, we see this so routinely from the Gophers. 
where you think they're really, really good. And it was just the same thing last year. I mean, they smoked Colorado 30 to nothing, and you're thinking, okay, I mean, we might have something here. And and then they come back home and they lose to Bowling Green. Like, this is... Minnesota had smoked everybody, and then they lose at home to a Purdue team that's kind of banged up. What what to make of it, right? I mean, it's just a weird, weird situation. Uh, let's uh, let's read off the stats on this one. They Purdue won the yardage three fifty nine to three hundred four. They won yards per play five point four to five point two. They won rushing one sixty to forty seven. Uh, they won drive points seventeen to nothing. Uh, Minnesota did one or they did win third downs. Uh, 33 to 29%. They missed a 28-yard field goal try. They had a fourth down failure. Um, You're not supposed to... If you're Purdue, you're not supposed to be able to own the line of scrimmage that way against Minnesota. And yet, they did. So, what do we make of Purdue at this point? Uh, The entire Big Ten West is 1-1 other than Wisconsin, who is sitting at 0-2. I have no idea about any of these teams anymore. I got no clue. Every week, it's something different with this bunch. Uh, I don't know what to think of Minnesota at this point, and I really don't know what to think of Purdue, who already took a loss to Penn State and took a loss to Syracuse, but now has a win on the road at Minnesota, who we thought was gangbusters. We'll see. We will see. Uh, Let's move along, because I've got a few more I want to hit, and I want to be out of here within an hour. So let's see what happens. Uh, Mississippi State, 42-24 to over Texas A&M. And this one, uh, if you're A&M, I mean, you've just got to be sick. Uh, because it's not getting any better. It does not look any better than it did before. And week after week, you're, you're experiencing the exact same problems. We're going to pull it up, but looking at the, uh, the stats, State outgained A&M 470 through, or 473 to 329. Um, the most surprising to me was that Mississippi State outrushed them 144 to 136, on seven less rushing attempts. Mississippi State had 13 penalties for 138 yards. A&M only had three for 24. A&M, I mean, this is the tale of the ballgame. They had four turnovers to only one for Mississippi State. Now, two of those came when uh, Haynes King came in late. Uh, he threw a pick six right after uh, Mississippi State missed a field goal. It was 35-17. to 17. A&M got the ball back. It was kind of late in the ballgame, which Max Johnson had an injury with eight minutes left in the ballgame. But... Haynes King threw two interceptions in this game, uh, but it wasn't the turnovers. It was just overall. Uh, Mississippi State was the significantly better team, and it showed. I mean, A&M does have Alabama coming up next week, so maybe it was like a head spot, but I doubt it, especially considering State beat them last year in like on Kyle Field. I don't, I don't fully understand what's happening with A&M, uh, but the more losses that you get, the more chance that you have, if you're an A&M fan, of... Jimbo finally giving over the offensive range to somebody else because this is not working. Uh, I did see a message board post uh, (laughs) that somebody said uh, back a couple of weeks ago that this is all according to plan, that Jimbo is going to uh, bring out Connor Wigman for uh, for the Alabama game. But he's not going to show Connor before the Alabama game because that's the one that he really wants to win. He said, just watch. Uh, what will end up having or have happened, this was on September 16th. He said, in the Mississippi State game, Max Johnson will go out with uh, a weird injury late in the game, and Haynes King will come in to ice it, which was way off because State absolutely blew him out of the water. Uh, but that 
yeah, Max Johnson may not be healthy enough to play in the Alabama game, so they'll have to bring out Connor. Okay, let's see what happens this week because it, we may not have Bryce Young and we may not have uh, Max Johnson and we may I, who knows who knows at this point what to expect out of that ball game. I'm sure CBS is just like, what happened? This was supposed to be the matchup, and it's not. And so, uh, but regardless, state. Uh, this is, I've said it a thousand times, I feel like, fantastic football team. They are experienced. They are old. They are some big dudes with a, with NFL talent. And they are now in their third year with Mike Leach. They understand this offense. They know what's going on. This is a fun team. They are really, really good. So pay attention to them. Moving along, Wake Forest 31, Florida State 21. Uh, did not see this one coming. I'll be honest. Like I, I thought that uh, I thought that Wake Forest could stay in the ball game. I thought it would be higher scoring for sure because uh, I think the total on this was like sixty-seven. We ended with fifty-two total points. Florida State could not seem to get things really going. They they started off hot, uh, and then just in the middle, we're not able to do anything. Uh, <laughs> I know everybody loves middle eight and whatnot, but the middle eight plays, uh, Florida State was you know they had fifteen plays. 3.78 EPA. It was only 0.25 EPA per play. Uh, they were they were okay in the middle, but they they didn't score. Like after that first touchdown to go up seven to nothing, they were not a great football team. Jordan Travis, I think, is still pretty good. Um, they had one turnover in this game. Uh, Florida State did, but other than that, I mean, the, both of the offenses, like success rate wise, looked pretty good. Uh, but Wake Forest, just an experienced team. Like Sam Hartman, if Sam Hartman had played all year, I mean, he would have just absolutely Heisman-style numbers at this point. Um, I, I'm i curious about Florida State. I want to see what ends up happening after this. Uh, this is the first loss of the season. How do you get up off the mat? How do you get up off the mat? The uh, the numbers here, by the way. Uh, Wake Forest, one yard, it's 405 to 393. They won third downs, 56% to 36%. They ran the ball, which is not... Super common for them, I don't suppose. Uh, one seventy-one to one twelve. Then one turnovers, one to nothing. They won drive points, twenty-four to thirteen. So they had better, like more quality possessions. Uh, Florida State won yards per play, six point two to four point eight. But Wake won the total number of plays, eighty-five to sixty-three. So you know, a week after battling with Clemson in overtime at home, you go on the road, you get a big-time win over an undefeated team that was ranked in the top twenty-five. I mean, props to them. Props to them. It's not too shabby. All right. Next up, Georgia Tech got an upset win. Uh, we we got to talk about it a little bit. I mean, just <laughs> we we got to hit on it, right? Um, Georgia Tech 26, Pitt 21. And cheers to Brent Key. Uh, he got this team to wake up. I was excited about this. Very excited. They shocked Pitt, who could not even score the spread that they were favored by. Let's go on and pull up the uh, the win probability, expected points, and all that. Again, this is over at Game on Paper, but uh, they won third downs, twenty nine to seventeen percent. Georgia Tech outrushed Pitt two thirty six to one hundred five. They ran for two hundred thirty six yards against that defensive line. Um, they won turnovers three to nothing. Pitt won the yardage four eleven to three thirty eight, and they won yards per play five point four to four point eight. A lot of this for Pitt came really late. Because Georgia Tech led 19-7 to with two minutes to go in the ballgame. Like, Pitt found a way to make this thing relatively close. Um, 
I this was always there with Georgia Tech. Uh, 82 Atlantic, by the way, jumps in. Is Pitt losing at home to a horrible Georgia Tech team the worst loss of the week? Yeah, probably. I, I, it would have to be, right? Uh, unless you're in New Mexico State and you lost to Florida International. But, <laughs> you know, you lose to FIU. That's pretty bad. Uh, but if you're if you're Georgia Tech, you always had this. You had some dudes. You had the ability to get this done. Like, whenever we have these kind of, what I hate to use the term, dead cat bounces, Whenever you have something along those lines, uh, it makes you immediately wonder, like, was the right guy leading this program? And I I don't want to say no, but they seem to really fight for Brinke, right? Like, I'm, I'm so happy for him because he, like, you could tell after the game, he was very emotional. This program has been through a lot. The AD is now gone. Jeff Collins is gone, the head coach as well. Uh, it's It was just rough. And for them to go on the road... Uh, saw a stat that this is their first road win over an AP-ranked team since 2016. That was over Virginia Tech back then. It's been really difficult times for Georgia Tech. So this was a lot of fun to see them actually get this get this win. I mean, that, that, was, that was awesome to see. So props to them for going up and getting the job done, holding on at the end, finding a way to make it happen. Cheers to them. Cheers to them. I, I loved watching that at the end of that ballgame. Uh, so happy. For Georgia Tech. So happy for them. Moving along, we got one more that we're going to hit, and then we'll hit on some uh, honorable mentions roundabout. The LSU Tigers beat Auburn 21-17 to on the road in Jordan-Hare Stadium. And this is the crap that I was talking about on the BetUS College Football Show. There is too much Jordan-Hare voodoo, juju, hoodoo, and I want nothing to do with that team. I will not be betting on them. I will not be betting against them. It doesn't make sense. The team doesn't make sense. Let's go on and pull up the stats here. And, I mean, the win probability was just all over the place. All over the place. The EPA per play was all the way down multiple times. Uh, look, LSU was an eight-point favorite by kick. They won the game by four. So, obviously, Auburn got a cover. But... LSU won turnovers four to one. They ran the ball better than Auburn did, one eighty five to one hundred one. Auburn won total yardage four thirty eight to two seventy, which explained that one to me. <laughs> right, <laughs> like this, this makes zero sense. If you look at the actual stats here, Robbie Ashford was nineteen out of thirty eight for three hundred thirty seven yards, two touchdowns, one interception. These are the advanced stats, by the way. Uh, I, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. Uh, <laughs> how did Robbie Ashford, who couldn't even throw the football against Missouri, how does he have 337 yards in this game? Like, I, I just, I don't understand. Uh, and when I was watching the game, I, again, I it made zero sense to me. So, regardless, uh, which, by the way, again, just to stress, purple is bad, green is good, if you're looking at it on your screen. Uh, if you're not... What are you doing with your life? Make sure you subscribe over on YouTube. Uh, you guys hit the like button for me, if you would so kindly. That would certainly help things out as well. But yes, uh, this was this this game made no sense. Made no sense. Auburn went up 17 to nothing, And then LSU came back and scored the last 21 points of the ballgame. And it, it really should have never been close. But regardless... Um, Auburn won the yardage 438 to 270. They won yards per play 6.3 to 3.6. They won third downs 40 to 33. 
LSU's first touchdown was a fumble return. Uh, and let's see. I mean, it. <laughs> Jaden Daniels did go out with an injury in this game. Uh, Garrett Nussmeyer came in and finished the game. His stats were not all that great, to be completely honest. Um, and when you look at, uh, let's see, I was actually talking to somebody last night about this, and they said, um, teams that have no quarterback and no passing game are dead. And I said, you mean like Auburn? And he said, 1990s football will not work. Uh, when you play that way and are pretty disciplined, you can beat bad teams. So he was talking about Auburn at that point. But the same, it could be said for either one of them. Because it made no sense. Neither one of them. I just I, I could not understand what I was watching in that game. At all. So props to LSU for getting the win. But man, that uh, that has got to make you a little concerned going forward with what to expect out of your team. Because man, that's that was kind of brutal. It was kind of brutal. All right. Let's do a little honorable mention here to close out. Uh, da, da, da. Let's see. All right, Michigan won 27-14 over Iowa. That one was really never close. It was, uh, if I'm not mistaken, 27-7. to Iowa scored late in that game. Uh, still went under the total, though, so props to that. Uh, Utah, 42-15 to over Oregon State. Uh, yeah, you could kind of see this coming. Like, Oregon State had been through quite a bit. Utah had been kind of building this game. And, yes, losing the tight end, Keithy, is important, especially heading to UCLA. Uh, that they, they lost him before this ball game, but that offense, I I told Kyle Hunter uh, over on the Bet US College Football Show, I told him this week, I said I think that Dalton Kincaid can do a lot of the same stuff that Keithy did, so we'll see. Uh, and it turned out that offense is perfectly fine. That offense is rolling. Kansas State thirty-seven, Texas Tech twenty-eight. Yeah, Kansas State's pretty good. Adrian Martinez continuing on rolling. The game against Tulane appears to just be uh, a fluke. Not that not that Tulane didn't like. Not that they weren't supposed to win that game. I'm just saying it was more so to do with Kansas State, I believe, than with Tulane. Regardless, and so Kansas State, you know, has started off what two and zero in Big Twelve play. Props to them. Texas 38, West Virginia 20. Uh, you could also kind of see this one coming. West Virginia has looked pretty good in some spots this year. But Texas coming off of a big-time, big-time problem that uh, you knew that they were going to get right in this game heading into Red River, for sure. Uh, Jay Hood jumps in. Madison, Wisconsin is a morgue right now. Oh, man. Yeah, no, that's... We just talked about Illinois and Wisconsin, and I, I wonder if somebody's got some some photos of Jim Leonard, and maybe that's why he's not leaving that place, because they cannot seem to get that offense figured out. And even when they do get it figured out, uh, his defense... How do you, and I know how you do it. I mean, it's turnovers, et cetera. But 300 yards of total offense given up, and you give up 34 points. Jim Leonard, I, I'm sure if he can, he will find a way to get out of there. If he can. But we'll see. Uh, continuing on, Boston College 34, Louisville 33. Scott Satterfield. That seat might be getting a little warm, buddy. Just saying. Um, along with that, Washington State 28, Cal 9. Washington State has turned into Cal with just a little bit better offense. That's what it is. The Jaden Ott kid that had been doing such amazing things, rushing the football for Cal, yeah, Washington State shut him down. Like they they didn't they didn't let him get after it. 
So, cheers to them. I mean, Cam Ward looked good in this game. Uh, USC last night, uh, <laughs> 300 yards, 34 points. Yeah, it, it's it's insane. It, it, it was absolutely insane for Illinois. Uh, USC 42, Arizona State 25. That one was uh, about what I expected. Somebody asked me last week. It may have been on here. I don't remember who exactly. May, I think somebody may have emailed me about this and asked if I would take USC to cover 24 or 25. And I said, absolutely not. Because you don't know what version they're going to be each and every week. That's not a team that you can trust because the numbers are so screwy based on the fact that their turnover margin was so outlandish. It just didn't make any sense. Um, teams can move the football on them. I mean, bottom line. Oregon won 45-27 over Stanford. That game was 31-3 at the half. Oregon looks like they might might be the best team in the Pac-12. And yes, I understand that the Georgia game happened. But those two teams have gone in drastically different directions since that ball game. I wonder how much of it was Dan Lanning's first game. It didn't look right against Georgia, etc., and now, I mean, they are just stomping everybody. And that's not to say that there's anything impressive about beating Stanford, because don't get me wrong, everybody is beating Stanford right now, especially without E.J. Smith. But, man, that that team looks really good right now. Oregon's offensive line is bonkers. It, and if you didn't watch it, go back and watch the, uh, the highlight reel. Watch that Bo Nix touchdown run where he is running past everybody. Everybody. Uh... Let's see, 82 Atlantic jumped in. Northwestern is terrible. How was the line 25 and a half? Uh, well, that, I mean, that's why the line was 25 and a half, because they were terrible. Uh, <laughs> Penn State only won that game 17 to 7, but it had a lot to do with the fact that it uh, the rain was, was pretty bled because that field was just awful. Uh, Penn State couldn't really use speed to their advantage. Um, and they knew that they could just skate by and get a win. I mean, it, it, the way that you look at it is Penn State is heading into a bye week. They didn't have to do a whole lot to win that ball game, and now they've got a bye week before they play Michigan. Why would you put anything else on tape? Like just go out and get a win. Who cares? You know, Northwestern I don't think is is awful. Okay, that's a lie. That's a lie. They, they, Northwestern's bad. They are bad, bad. Uh, and I don't know what to make of it. Jim O'Neill. I mean, it, I will be shocked if he is the defensive coordinator heading into next season. Uh, however, because Pat Fitzgerald is such a stand-up guy and is loyal to a fault. Uh, he won't be fired in the middle of the season. There won't be anything changed during the year. I would almost guarantee it. So we'll see what happens from there. All right, it has been an hour, and I am going to give you time to go and watch Eastern Washington and Florida instead of the NFL. So, <laughs> so with that said, make sure you go and turn on SEC Network, all that good stuff. The show... Each and every time out, brought to you by BetUS. It's America's premier online sportsbook. They've been doing it for three decades. They've been doing this a long, long time. I've been with them a long, long time. So make sure that you go and check them out. You can also find BetUS TV. All the different sports are covered, just a myriad of experts. So make sure that you check that out. There's a link in the description for that. Also, you can find me on the BetUS College Football Show every Tuesday and Wednesday, 1 p.m. Eastern Time. And you can also come back to Winning Cures Everything very, very easy to do. Um, but yes, we will we will be right here on Tuesdays and Thursdays and on the BetUS College Football Show on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. And then, of course, back here again on Sunday for the recap show. With that said, 
We're going to go ahead and get out of here. You guys have been absolutely fantastic. Thank you for joining on a wonderful Sunday morning. Hopefully you enjoy some football for the rest of the week as well. And hopefully, hopefully you all take care of yourself. You all take care of each other. And hopefully your tickets cash today and next week. Thanks for listening to Winning Cures Everything. Make sure and subscribe on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. And make sure to leave a nice five-star review. You can follow Gary on Twitter, at GaryWCE. And the show is at Winning Cures. Be sure to check out the merch in our web store and share the show. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.